0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. And if you're like me, and I know I am, I love expository preaching. And my guest today has preached over a thousand expository sermons. And I'm so happy to have him back on. We're going to be talking about a difficult subject today, and that is suffering. And nobody likes hearing about that. But we do uh, want to understand that it's one of the most powerful issues uh, Christians face in the world today. And we have a God that's going to come alongside us and walk through it with us. So I'm awfully glad we're going to talk about this today with Dr. Andy Davis. He is the senior pastor, First Baptist Church of Durham, North Carolina. I always get excited when he comes on the show, and uh, here we are. We're going to talk about suffering uh, for the full hour, Andy. Thank you for doing yeah. this. Bill, it's great to be with you again, and I think it's a weighty
1: topic, but I think it's one's going to be helpful to your listeners.
0: Yeah, and Andy, honestly, if you uh, consider all that's going on in the world, and then drill it down to everybody's personal life there's lots of suffering going on
1: there really is and it's very much the uh, the issue of pastoral ministry for me as a pastor of a local church where people going through all kinds of things and it's really important for pastors uh, to be able to speak to that uh, biblically that's yeah. what I desire to do.
0: and andy when it comes to suffering uh, we we need to also be able to use it in a way to share our faith and our hope with others because a lot of people go, well, wait a minute, how could I believe in your God if there is suffering in your life? You
1: know, there's no doubt this is one of the central apologetic issues that Christians have to address. I know. It's very, it's very weighty.
0: Yeah, people want to know about uh, suffering. So let's talk about the blessings of Christian suffering
1: today. I think that's vital, and, and to take it, look at it positively, because we understand that God loves us and is sovereign and everything that happens, happens for a purpose. So we have to address suffering from the beneficial or the blessings point of view.
0: Indeed. So pain, uh, as far as I can tell, uh, is around constantly. And it's just like you say, it's part of the human experience. And um, suffering is also a normal part of our human experience. But we always seem to want to kick it to the curb
1: yeah we're Im- immersed in a world of suffering and it's uh, that way we we understand theologically from adam's fall into sin he brought the world into sin and death and uh, pain is part of that there's a great deal of mourning and grief and so for us as christians we have to be realistic about that but the thing that's amazing biblically is that pain is not essential to the human experience because we're going to spend eternity in heaven in a world without any death mourning, crying or pain hmm. it's just part of our present experience and we have to address it
0: yeah andy i love the fact that we raced to the last chapter of the book uh... and realized that we will spend eternity pain-free that is such powerfully good news as we sort of yeah. walk through uh, what it means to talk about Christian suffering in in, in the world. I know uh, you've, you've got a number of um, benefits of Christian suffering that you're going to talk about today, and I'd love to jump into those. I think there's 12 of them.
1: Yeah, let's walk through them, and I think I could have made a much longer list. Um, but even the list I've given, there's some uh, nuances and shades of overlap, so I hope it will have a cumulative effect on your hearers. The first... Uh, blessing or benefit uh, that I saw in Christian suffering goes right to the cross. I think as we ourselves suffer, we get a greater appreciation for the infinite magnitude of Christ's suffering on our behalf. I think people who have gone through uh, intense pain in this world are able to look at the cross and understand what Jesus went through for us. And so I think it starts there for me. Uh, Jesus was willing to drink the cup of suffering, the cup of the wrath of God, and in that way, uh, was, it was the greatest measure of his love for us. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And so as we walk through you know, infinitely lesser suffering, we're able to look with great appreciation, thankfulness, and
0: worship even at what Jesus went through for us. Mm-hmm. But Andy, our suffering is our suffering, and sometimes it, it, nothing could feel worse. So when we look at the cross and we go to the sacrifice Christ made, it has to be something we we race to because there is no amount of pain and suffering that compares to what jesus went through for us
1: no and that's something we only have to we have to accept by by faith right. because jesus Died with two other men, and uh, outward appearance—if you just looked at the three men—they were going through the same suffering. But we know it's different because Jesus alone was uh, bearing the wrath of the sins of the world. The all—all uh, the, all Christians, all believers in all mm-hmm. generations—all uh, of that was put on Jesus, and the justice, the the righteous wrath of God was poured out on him alone. Uh, he is the mediator. He is the substitute. He went through. Uh, infinite dimensions of suffering that we will never fully understand. But at the same time, our lesser sufferings give us a sense of what Jesus went through for us. And Mm -hmm. it gives us a deep, a deep love and appreciation and a foundation for worship toward Christ. And also, as you, as you mentioned a moment ago, Uh, It also helps us to realize Jesus is walking through it with us. He took on sufferings as our substitute so that he could walk through the, uh, when we pass through the fire, the water, he is with us. And so it brings me to the cross first, and then I realize in the incarnation, Jesus has not left us as orphans. He's with us.
0: Mm -hmm. My guest is Dr. Andy Davis. He's senior pastor at First Baptist Church of Durham, North Carolina. And you can learn more about Andy and his amazing teaching and sermons and articles and podcasts at twojourneys.org, twojourneys.org. And we're talking about the blessings of Christian suffering today. Let's uh, talk about uh, how suffering, Andy, enables us to show love for God in temptation. What do you mean by that? Well, first of all, there is
1: suffering, Christian suffering, um, unique uh, to us as Christians in resisting temptation. Uh, I think all, all people at some level feel temptation somebody who's trying to give up smoking or drinking or some other thing feels the pull of that or somebody dieting i understand that but in a unique way christians stand against all sin uh, and anything we're convicted of we want to fight in our lives and so there is a suffering involved in resisting temptation there's a suffering involved in saying no to the flesh Uh, jesus uh, we're told in hebrews 2, suffered when he was tempted And so uh, we're able to join with him in that suffering by standing against sin. And when we suffer, when it's hard for us, when the flesh is pulling in a certain direction and we say no by the power of the spirit, we put sin to death by the spirit. We're really saying to God, we love you. Uh, We love you more than sin. We love you more than the thing we're giving up. We we love you enough to do this. It's a way of us. Uh, expressing love to God. Uh, Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, and so basically linked sacrifice to love. And so when we are willing to say no to sin and and to suffer for it, we are expressing love to God. So it's one of the great ways that we Christians can express love to God.
0: Mm -hmm. Andy, let's talk about how suffering validates saving faith, resulting in our assurance.
1: Yeah, that's a very important uh, point. Uh, Fundamentally, one of the issues I have to deal with all the time is uh, individuals saying, how do I know I'm saved? How do I know I'm a Christian? Um, We we don't get a golden certificate uh, when we pray the sinner's prayer we don't have anything that's handed to us we have to believe in the gospel by faith we have to believe in, a, in an invisible Jesus by faith we've never seen him first peter tells us but we love him and so we have to we, we have to derive assurance some other way and one of the number one ways we derive assurance is by what we do when we suffer specifically because of the gospel And so uh, Jesus told a a parable about uh, the sowing of the seed of the gospel. And he said, uh, the the kingdom of God is like a man who sowed seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell on the the path and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky soil uh, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And other seed fell on good soil, which produced a crop hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And this is uh, basically the the word of the gospel. The word of God has a different, is received differently by different people. And Jesus identified each of these paths. The one who um, doesn't understand the gospel at all, doesn't take it to heart at all, is like the seed that, that falls on the path. And Satan comes and takes away what was sown immediately. That it has no impact. But then there's a category of people that hears the word and receives it with joy initially. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. But now let's turn that around positively. Imagine trouble or persecution comes because of the word to you, and you don't quickly fall away. As a matter of fact, you get closer to Christ. Uh, your prayer life develops, your your commitment to him increases, your your boldness and zeal increases. You can then look at this parable of the seed in the soils and you can realize I am a genuine Christian. I'm not a stony ground hearer. I am a real Christian, a Christian who has a genuine walk with God. And so it gives you a sense of assurance of salvation. Also, Romans five directly um, all right and romans 5 directly uh, connects our assurance to uh, our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character mm-hmm. hope. And hope does not disappoint because god has poured out his love into our hearts by the holy spirit and so assurance of salvation is directly tied to
0: endurance and suffering uh dr andy davis is my guest andy when we pray to god that He will turn us into the men and women that He wants us to be. That's a pretty serious prayer, because suffering comes along and will help purify our faith, won't it?
1: Yeah. Well, it's this is a teaching that comes from First Peter uh, chapter one, and in First Peter one six through nine, Peter is talking about the uh, he's talking to people he calls aliens and strangers in this world. We'll talk about that later, Um, but he's dealing with their sufferings. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for your receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So, in the middle of that section, Peter talks about a faith being refined by fire. So, we have this sense of a refiner's fire, you know, uh, smelters uh, or blacksmiths, those that worked with precious metals, uh, would refine uh, silver or gold in the fire in a crucible. And they'd heat it, and the dross would come bubbling to the surface, and they'd skim off the dross. And this gives an image of a purification process. And so the idea of our faith needing to be refined, it's because our minds and our hearts are complex. They're mixed. We don't do anything, Bill. We don't do anything purely. We don't have pure minds, pure thoughts, pure hearts ever. And so our faith itself usually has some alloying in it. There's Mm -hmm. certain motivations that are not glorifying to God. There are certain aspects of our faith that are not glorifying to God and suffering causes those to bubble to the surface so that they can be skimmed off. our faith needs to be purified. A very good example of this, of course is Job uh, who you know initially did not sin in his sufferings. but as the suffering went on, some deep heart attitudes, Some sins that were deep in his heart bubbled to the surface, and he began to say some things that were dishonoring to God, to begin to question God's justice and and to begin to question his love. And those things had to get, get skimmed off from Job's character, but they were deep inside that. So suffering purifies our faith. Uh, by causing these
0: kinds of things to come to the surface. Mm-hmm. Dr. Andy Davis is my guest. You can learn more about Andy and his amazing teaching at 2journeys.org. Again, 2 two org. I highly recommend you checking out his amazing website that has all of his uh, sermons beautifully categorized. You can start binge listening to sermons. I've done it myself. We'll take a little break and be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Dr. Andy Davis. We're talking about the blessings of Christian suffering. I know that sounds confusing to some of you, but there's tremendous blessings in our suffering, and Andy's helping us uh, walk through this. Andy, right before we went to break, we were uh, talking about purifying faith, but I would love for you to uh, say more about self-reliance and how that all factors in. Yeah, one of the one of the number one um alloying or kind
1: of mixture aspects of our faith can be self-reliance, you know, and this is this is I think probably one of the number one um idols uh that we have to deal with in our lives. Um naturally, all over the world religions are based on self-salvation, people trying to save themselves by their own good works. Mm-hmm. But those tendencies are in all of us. And the apostle Paul actually spoke about an intense trial he went through in the province of Asia, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, um went through uh, this suffering, uh, and he says the reason for it, he said, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Um, Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death, but this happened so that we might no longer rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And so one of the benefits of Christian suffering is it purifies our faith from self-reliance. It purifies our faith from those things in which we are not turning to God or to Christ, but instead kind of gutting it out on ourselves. But when we get into situations that are so far beyond anything we can handle, it purifies our faith of self-reliance.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. That's really important. All right, let's talk about spiritual maturity, because we all want that, but sometimes that comes at a cost, and sometimes the spiritual maturity is a result of suffering. But can we become spiritually mature through suffering? We can't do it apart from the word of God, can we?
1: No. Uh, first of all, we need to understand this is the goal of our of our salvation, the ultimate goal, God's yeah. purpose in salvation. Ultimately, um, is uh, that we would be totally, completely conformed to Christ. Conformed. Christ is where we're heading. So, in our resurrection glory, with our minds, our hearts, our bodies, in all respect, we will be made exactly like Christ, conformed to Christ. Um, therefore, our process of salvation now, the sanctification process, is a gradual process of being conformed to Christ. And the Bible is very clear, the New Testament is clear that that cannot happen apart from suffering, that we have to go through trials, we have to go through suffering in order to become mature, in order to become. Uh, Conformed to Christ and so uh, James 1 2 through 4 makes it very plain when it says consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of any kinds well James why should we consider uh, suffering trials of many kinds to be pure joy well he says the reason is the testing of your faith produces perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you will be mature and complete not lacking anything. And so that's a really powerful uh, affirmation of the benefits of the blessings of Christian suffering. We're supposed to count it pure joy, like the highest form of joy, because we know God at work in our lives. He is conforming us, us to Christ. And the logic of the verse is that without suffering, we will be immature, incomplete and lacking things in the Christian life. And so we have to have suffering. And when it happens, we can count it pure joy because we know that God, Almighty God, is working on us against our sins, conforming us to Christ. He's saving us. This should bring us great joy because the worst thing that God can do to any individual in this world is to give them over to their sin. This is the worst thing god can do is just let them have it let them let you know let them sin uh that's what romans one says god gave them over into a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done that's the worst thing god can do in this in this world
0: it, it's a horrifying but, thing that you just said that's so scary
1: yeah that god would would actually be saying fine go ahead and do it yeah but without christians he will
0: never do that I instead know. he fits our sin so appreciate that um dr andy davis is my guest As we're talking about the blessing of suffering, which is something we all probably struggle with. But, Andy, let's talk about our suffering and what that does with our faith in front of a world that's watching our every move. Yeah, we are... um designed
1: by God, and once we become Christians, to be a spectacle. God puts us up on a lampstand. He said, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, he puts it up in a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the the house. In the same way, he said, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God who is in heaven. So that's in Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount. And so he's going to put all Christians on a lampstand. He's going to light us up. And uh, as we are on display, people are going to be watching specifically, I think, what we do when we suffer. Uh, This is what makes us different than non-Christians. And when non-Christians watch how we suffer, they should see a significant difference in the way we Christians suffer. A very good example of the power of joy-filled, faith-filled suffering in evangelism. In leading other people to is in Acts 16, Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail, one of the great, great moments in the New Testament. Paul and Silas were preaching the gospel in Philippi. They were arrested. They were publicly beaten without a trial. They were thrown into the Philippian jail, and the Philippian jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And so uh, they were suffering greatly. Uh, you think about their situation it was pitch black as the jailer later had to call for lights Um, it must have stunk Uh, it was a nasty place they had nothing to eat because the jailer fed them they had had no uh, medical treatment because the jailer also later cared for their needs Um, they were suffering greatly their physical uh, circumstances were as bad as they could possibly be and yet Scripture says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praising and singing praise uh, to God, and all the other prisoners were listening to them. That's them being put on display. All the prisoners were listening to these highly unusual men who were rejoicing in that terrible place. And the Philippian jailer, I'm sure, must have heard it too. Um, And so when this amazing earthquake occurred, and the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains fell off, but no one escaped. The jailer was about to commit suicide. And Paul called out from the darkness, Don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer rushed in and pulled him out, um, called for lights, pulled him out, and fell trembling before them and asked Paul and Silas, What must I do to be saved? Bill, I don't think there's a better example of what joyful, faith-filled suffering can do to an onlooking lost world so when we suffer well when we go through um sorrows and and suffering and and uh, the world watches then they will want to be converted now we we believe that the advance of the gospel cannot occur apart from suffering uh satan will not give up his territory easily he's Mm -hmm. going to fight us he's going to persecute us so jesus gave the basic principle in john 12 verse 24 unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Of course, he's speaking about his own death, bringing forth the infinite and eternal fruit of salvation for people all over the world. But it's also a principle of missionaries and evangelists who are willing to lay down their lives for the salvation of lost people. And so we have to be willing to suffer. And when we suffer in the Sharing of the gospel and our suffering is going to be less than Paul and Silas, certainly less than Christ, uh, less than missionaries. You know, Tertullian said the blood of martyrs is seed for the church. We're not necessarily going to be shedding our blood. Very few do. Mm-hmm. But it's it's uh, it's tough to share the gospel with an unsaved boss or an unsaved co-worker, uh, unsaved relative. Yeah, these things are going to require some suffering. And when we're willing to lay down our lives so that other people can be saved, it glorifies God
0: and uh it puts the gospel on display. When I think of Paul and Silas in that uh passage where they're praising God amidst their horrible circumstances, I know that that gives me courage and I believe that should give courage to other believers as well. Yeah, that's one thing that as we um
1: as we suffer, well, as we go through suffering, some things happen in um, Christians that watch us. You know, a moment ago, Bill, we were talking about what happens when non Christians watch us. And that's a beautiful story from Acts 16 how the other prisoners were listening to them and the Philippian jailer, but we're also put on display in front of other Christians. We have an influence and we are able to say, as Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And Paul, in his epistle to the Philippians, talks about his own imprisonment giving courage to other Christians. He said, I want you to know what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel uh, because of my chains. Most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really amazing statement. In other words, when the, the Christians that knew Paul personally, that maybe were in the city where he was being held, uh, they would maybe go to the prison to bring him food because the jail never fed you. So you had to have an out, outward outward network of um, friends and family that would come bring you what you needed. Uh, but then they would see that Paul was witnessing in the prison. He was sharing the gospel with um Uh, members of of caesar's household the praetorian guard i think um he was having a fruitful ministry there within the prison but even more than that he was flourishing spiritually he was he was being strengthened and renewed in his own walk with christ he was completely fearless and and they realize look here's this role model the thing we're afraid of the most which is being persecuted by the government it's happened to paul and he's actually flourishing and they are not in any way afraid they lose their fear at that moment of sharing the gospel so when you see the example of of men and women that are bold with their faith they share the gospel courageously and fearlessly they are reviled insulted persecuted in whatever context they're in and it doesn't trouble them at all instead they respond kindly or they Mm -hmm. pray for those individuals or might even see some of them come to christ you know, you tend to lose your fear of man, you tend to lose your fear of evangelism. And so the Lord uses us to set an example for our brothers and sisters by our own suffering, by our own willingness to suffer for the gospel. We can give an example
0: of courage to other people who ordinarily might be paralyzed by fear. Mm-hmm. Andy, I know you've seen this, whether it's on the news or someone even in your church family that survives some heinous crime or injustice and all they do amidst that pain and suffering is stand boldly and courageously for the gospel and for Christ and the onlooking world says, how can you respond that way? Yeah.
1: And, and it's not just Bill in a matter of evangelism, uh, but just even in sufferings that are common to people Mm -hmm. uh, when we see um, brothers and sisters go through cancer, for example, and they go through with a a shining faith and they uh, they don't, uh, they don't waver through unbelief. Uh, their prayer life is developed. You go visit them in the hospital and you come away. You wanted to go strengthen them. You come away. You're the one strengthened because they are setting an example of, of joy, joyful, faith-filled suffering. You then lose your fear somewhat of cancer. Um, I, I think of another uh, circumstance in our own church, uh Family named uh the parishes Larry and Alana parish their son andy uh had uh, a terrible accident when he was crossing a busy road and was hit by a car and his uh he su- suffered severe head trauma, but he didn't die still alive right. now like, this is ten i think almost ten years ago now and uh but he lost a tremendous amount of capability uh both mentally and physically and requires twenty four seven care right. um all the time and and yet Uh, For all of that, the parishes have done so with tremendous cheerfulness, tremendous love for their son um, and have put put uh, uh, joyful, faith filled suffering on display for us so that something like that, which I think would be one of the hardest physical trials any family could ever go through. In one sense, obviously it's far greater emotionally to lose a loved one to a car accident, somebody would die. But then the matter's over. You have your sad memories, but you go on with your life. But imagine having a family member who requires that level Mm. of physical care every day. He became the focus of their lives. He continues to be the physical focus of their lives, and they do it cheerfully. And so again, you look at things that you might ordinarily be terribly afraid of, but you lose your fear because of of you see the grace and the faith at work in their lives through suffering. And
0: so that's something that we can do for each other if we suffer well. Beautiful. Dr. Andy Davis is my guest. We're talking about the blessings of Christian suffering, but I can't help but to mention uh, among Andy's writings is a book that he wrote called The Glory Now Revealed. Uh, what will discover about God in heaven? Just so you know, pretty awesome book. You can learn more yeah. about that anywhere you buy books. Glory Now Revealed, Andy Davis. We're going to take a little break and come back and continue discussing the blessings of Christian suffering with Dr. Andy Davis. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good. I wanted you to hear it again, so enjoy. It's
1: the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive, time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey.
0: Doctor Andy Davis is my guest. We're talking about the blessings of Christian suffering. I know we're all in the midst of suffering at one point in our lives, and you might be in the middle of one right now. So we, we want you to know that we love you and care about you. And the next point I want to bring up, Andy, is how suffering uh, should prepare us to give comfort to other people. Because Yeah, this
1: is a very a very strong theme in 2 Corinthians 1, and the Apostle Paul writes these incredible words, um, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, And the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. So there's so much rich theology in that statement and much to our topic today of benefits of Christian suffering. What Paul's saying is the suffering that the sufferings that some Christians go through then create a context for them to give comfort to other Christians who go through similar suffering. So this is slightly different than the last point we're making where we talk about courage, boldness and evangelism, things like that. But this is a matter of comfort or consolation. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we go through that, you know, we're hurting, we're weary, we're broken down, we're going through difficult times. And uh, the Bible here in 2 Corinthians 1 calls God the God of all comfort, that God is able to come alongside and speak words of consolation, words of peace, words of encouragement. But he does that so beautifully uh, through one another. Uh, We do that in the context frequently of a healthy local church, When you get to know brothers and sisters and you walk with them through life, and then some ones of them go through certain experiences, as they go through it with faith and they go through it with hope, God measures to them a certain kind of comfort that then they can give to others because they've been through it. They are able to experience it. We've had some circumstances in our church of um, one particular one, a stillborn baby. Um, which you can imagine how shattering that is Mm. to a family, to a a woman that carries a child to term, and then the child is born uh, and is not alive. Mm -hmm. um, It's a unique kind of suffering that then other individuals are able to say how they were able to walk through that exact same trial themselves and what God did to help them through that. And it brings them together in a fellowship of suffering Um, but it also enables them to share the specific Bible verses, the specific ways that the Holy Spirit ministered comfort in that trial, in ways that I think that others that hadn't gone through that trial really don't have that same ability. So 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says that God is the God of all comfort who enables us to comfort others with
0: the comfort we ourselves have received from Christ. And so that's a beautiful thing. Andy, I would like for you to talk a little bit about this situation that you just described, because I do believe we need to have a gentle touch. Timing is critical. I mean, if somebody came up to me and said, I'm just uh, having the worst day, I just lost my job. And if I barge in with, well, when I lost my job, it's like, well, all of a sudden you're making it about you. Right. And we want to come alongside and our hearts break for people who are hurting. But I I also think too, we have to be really grace filled when it comes to um, giving people our comfort and not make sure that we don't make it about us. Um, But but we make it about us, you know, in in a support group environment. Sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, the the verses are there. Second Corinthians one is there that God enables us to comfort others with the comfort we ourselves ever see. So there it is. But you're right. You have to find the right way and the best way to do that. Yeah. And so that just just takes that kind of wisdom. We, We look at, at, the experience of Job's friends who did their best when they first saw Job and his suffering they didn't say anything at all but just right. sat with him right and spent time with him so that could you know and i think it would have been better for them to have continued that ministry because once
0: they started opening their mouths <laughs> it was trouble yeah so this, that
1: that was the yeah,
0: yeah, yeah but I, I i agree with you definitely. yeah i mean this dear couple that lost this child nobody wants to hear well you know your 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 child is is an angel in heaven now and so like well no 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 it's you know god needed uh another angel in heaven I, there's so many things you could say that are just so wrong well let's imagine
1: um you know in the scenario that i i gave that very scenario that the family that comes to minister has been through that's the condition that i'm stating has been through that exact experience themselves i would hope that part of what they learned is what did minister to them and what really didn't minister to them and so they will learn from experience and then they won't do that with this newly bereaved couple uh the things that that the very thing that we're talking about now that would not minister and they those individuals would know that that wouldn't minister so they would be able to to walk with them for a good long while Mm -hmm. you know weeks and then at a teachable moment, we'll be able to deliver some preceptual truth that they got from Scripture, because the time is right. Um, because in the end, we are relying on the Word of God, and the Word of God has precepts, it has statements, there are truths in it that can be ministered, but you got to just find that. Right time. Jesus said so beautifully, I have much to say to you more than you can now bear. And that's so good for us who minister the word to say, look, there are some times that you can't bring the truth you'd like to bring because right. the people aren't ready to hear it. But at the right time, they will be.
0: Mm-hmm. Andy, can I learn about Christian contentment through suffering?
1: Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, if we look at the at the breadth of Christian contentment that Paul uh, speaks about in Philippians, uh, the only way we can learn a holistic or a complete Christian contentment is to go through suffering. Because Paul talks about there in Philippians uh, 4, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. Well, how did he learn that secret of Christian contentment except by living through it? So the only way you can be content in suffering is to have gone through suffering already and learned how to be content. See, Christian uh, contentment is a gift. Uh, It's called by Jeremiah Burroughs, a rare jewel, the rare jewel of Christian contentment. Bill, I think we can go our entire lives and not really display a thoroughly mature Christian contentment. You can go to heaven effectively kicking and screaming to some degree you didn't need to (laughs) but not everybody suffers well you know some people just they just never do but they still love jesus they still believe in him but there is a secret paul uses the language of a secret uh i've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation Mm -hmm. and uh, he had to go through sufferings in order to learn how and what is Christian contentment. Well, it's amazing. I wrote a book called um, The Power of Christian Contentment based on this, and it was a very rich theme of meditation. The Greek word that he uses there, translated content, is a very surprising word, and it means self-sufficient, self-sufficient. And the thing that's amazing about that is we can't take that at face value. We know that it's not teaching a God-independent self-sufficiency. That's the opposite of everything we learn in the Bible. Jesus said I'm the vine you're the branch apart from me you can do nothing but rather I think it's self-sufficiency the way God is self-sufficient God needs literally nothing from his creation he doesn't need anything in order to be happy all of his his joy comes from being God so Paul just transfers that over to us we then similarly are god sufficient the way that he is or christ sufficient the essence of Christian contentment is Christ is enough. It don't need any earthly benefit or blessing. And you only learn that by going through suffering, by having things taken from you. And realize, you know, despite the fact that this or that or the other was taken from me and I suffered loss, I'm actually still flourishing in my, in my soul because Christ is enough for me.
0: Mm-hmm hmm.
1: And so that is the secret. I can do everything through him who strengthens me. There's a strengthening work so that you realize Christ is my treasure. Christ is everything to me. Christ is all I need. You know, conversely, uh, and when I wrote that book, I've been told by a number of people that read it. They said the most convicting statement in that book was something that I wrote. And it was this. Has Christ crucified and resurrected done enough for you to be joyful today in your circumstances, or does he have to do a little bit more? Mm, They said it's a very convicting statement.
0: because
1: We're complaining and focusing on a temporal circumstance or a temporal loss. We're really saying to Jesus, your death and resurrection isn't enough for me. I need to have this other blessing in addition. Uh, but if we realize Christ's crucifixion and resurrection is enough, our sins are paid for, uh, we are risen to with him in new life, we're going to heaven when we die, that's enough. And then we can suffer uh, better. So you have to go through suffering, however, to learn that secret of Christian contentment.
0: Mm-hmm. Dr. Andy Davis is my guest. We're going to take a break and come back and continue our discussion on the blessings of Christian suffering. Be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Dr. Andy Davis. We're talking about the benef- the blessings of Christian suffering. Of course, there are many benefits, even though we never really think of suffering as a benefit. I do remember, Andy, my dear grandmother, who went on to be with the Lord decades ago, she would pray uh, to God when she went to church that, uh, with gratitude in her heart that one day he would Take her out of this world into his glorious kingdom, because she mm. certainly had plenty of suffering. But that wasn't what she focused on. She focused on her Savior, which I always appreciated. Praise God for that. That's a that's a tremendous testimony. It really yeah. is, because suffering yeah. reminds us, like you say, that this world is not our home.
1: No, it isn't, um, and it's hard uh, for us because we are so five sense oriented. We really are. We're in the in the physical body. With uh, the beautiful five, five senses God has given us that enable us to enjoy the physical world, um, you know. But those the physical material world is temporary. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. So we walk by faith, not by sight. And one of the most important lessons we have to learn in the Christian life is that we're just aliens and strangers here. We're just passing through. Mm-hmm. This world is not our home. It is the the world just clamors for our the attention of our minds and hearts it 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 just jumps up all the visible stuff the audible stuff the stuff we eat and taste and and experience that dominates and we can get addicted to those things we can get drawn in and we can forget how temporary all of it is and so many passages speak of us as aliens and strangers in this world but probably the most um, poignant for me is that faith chapter in hebrews 11 and uh it's speaking about the, the these men and women of faith um and he said all of these uh were still living by faith when they died they admitted that they were aliens and strangers or exiles on the earth um and that's that's uh, this we're, we're not made for this world uh we are pointing toward a a world that is yet to come and the author of hebrews continues people who speak in that manner uh, make it clear that they're looking for a homeland, a permanent country. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return, but instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And so a beautiful picture there of, of faith-filled men and women who understood the reality of the situation, they were not deceived by the five cents world around them, they understood we are moving ahead to a city, the new Jerusalem and a country or world, the new heaven, new earth, that is our true home. And so suffering enables us to realize that more powerfully and potently. We are able to see, because all suffering involves some kind of loss. There's some loss that comes, loss of possession, uh, loss of health, loss of some physical capability, Um, loss of a loved one loss of a hope or a dream or some some plan or loss of a job things like that there's some loss but we're going to lose everything at death as Job said naked i came into the world and naked i will i will depart and so when when we go through suffering like a, a minor suffering not having lost everything like we do at the end of life losing something along the way we are reminded of the transitory nature of our lives in the the world what is your life? It's a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. But as we go through suffering, we are reminded potently that this world is not our home and that we should not be, you know, having schemes in some way for, uh, earthly joy, I want to share with you the words of a of a um, hymn that was written by John Newton, the same man that wrote Amazing Grace, and it's called I Ask the Lord, and it's rather lengthy, and so I don't have time to go through all of it, but he in it, if I could just summarize, he said, I asked the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace, might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. Then in the next number of stanzas, he talks about how God increasingly Pressed in on him and caused him to suffer, just actually brought more and more sufferings, you know, into his life. Mm-hmm. He laments this and he goes to God saying, why is this? Why are you doing this? I prayed a good prayer and look what you're doing. Um, I don't understand what you're doing. Why are you doing this? And uh, the Lord answered in in the hymn uh, to this way, in this way, the Lord replied, I answer prayer for grace and faith. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy, that thou mayest find thy all in me. That is a potent uh, insight. Schemes of earthly joy inevitably have to do with the 5 cents world, and God is kind to crush them from time to time and say, look, this world is not your home. Live for the next world. So that's a beautiful
0: insight from that hence. I love that. Andy, you know, when you hear about being aliens uh, in this world, I think... It makes more sense or it's easier to understand as you get older. That's how I feel about the world anyway. I feel more like an alien and a stranger in this world. And I think it's, you know, I'm not trying to be morbid here, but it's the benefit of going
1: to a good funeral. If a brother or sister has lived openly for Christ, and then if the pastor does his job well, it points everyone there ahead to the world to which we're all going. It reminds
0: us of how brief our life here is on on Earth. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk a little bit about suffering is the basis of our eternal rewards.
1: Yeah. Well, rewards is a rich theology, and, and it's, a, it's a big part of the book I wrote that you mentioned on heaven. That's probably one of the favorite my favorite books that i've ever written i love that study on heaven and uh, one of the great proofs i have that we're going to be remembering our earthly lives in heaven is the is the theology of rewards uh, rewards are things given honors and and privileges and benefits given in heaven by god based on things that we did for him on earth and one of the 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 key moments um, that teaches us about about um, honor in heaven uh, happened when James and John came to Jesus and asked that they would sit at His right and His left in the kingdom. And it's a very bold request, and uh, Jesus said to them, "You don't know what you're asking. Uh, are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism with which I am to be baptized?" And fundamentally, Jesus is linking places of honor to suffering in this world. Are you are you willing to drink wow. the cup that I'm drink and go through that baptism and then obviously when the 10 heard about this they were indignant and jesus then taught on servanthood anyone who wants to be first must be your servant and whoever wants to be you know greatest or great must be your servant whoever wants to be first must be your slave bill putting it all together rewards and honors and privileges in heaven are given based on suffering service uh, the more that we suffer and serve Brothers and sisters in Christ, the greater will be our rewards. This is clearly taught in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus openly said you should rejoice in the suffering and persecution because you're going to get a great reward in heaven. And that's a powerful incentive for us. So putting it all together, um, suffering is the basis of eternal reward. The more difficult something is, the more sacrifice it is for us in this uh, world, caring for the poor and needy, you know, giving sacrificially financially or or serving as my uh, friends, Larry and Atlanta do uh, for their son day after day after day, caring for all of his physical needs. Their reward is going to be great because of how difficult that service was. Mm-hmm. So, suffering basis of
0: eternal reward. Anyway, we just have a minute left. I'm just curious. This is a personal question. If if on the suffering scale of one to ten, uh, with ten being the maximum amount of suffering, where are you personally right now on that scale? Oh, very low.
1: Okay, good. One of the things, one of the things that I'm writing a book on Job, and I think we talked about that in an earlier broadcast. But one of the things I've noticed: everyone who writes a book on on Job feels that they don't deserve to write it because they know so many other people that have suffered worse, mm-hmm. um, and that's the way it is. My PhD is in church history. I've studied martyrology, martyrs, the history of missions. I can't carry the shoes of these brothers and sisters <laughs> right. what they did. Right? You know. Yeah. So no, very. Low. Here's the thing, Bill. Generally, we don't get to choose that. That's something God chooses. I agree. With James and John, when they said, let us sit at your right or your left, Jesus said, those places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my Father.
0: So pe- people are prepared for their role of suffering by the providential plan of God. Mm. Andy, you're a great educator, teacher, but you are also got that pastoral touch. So thank you for spending this hour with uh, me and my listeners. It's been wonderful having you on. <laughs> And a delight as it always is, Bill. Thank you so much. Dr. Andy Davis has been my guest. That's our show for the day. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I always uh, look forward to the next time we're going to be together. Have a great night, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.